and get started. First Corinthians, sixteenth chapter. First Corinthians sixteen. I'll start with verse eight. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Paul telling the Corinthians what he's going to do when he's going to wait. He said, and the reason why a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. <clears throat> so he's going to hang around till the day of Pentecost. He said, because a great door is opened unto me, and it's an effectual door. Effectual means effective. He's following the spiritual leadership. Amen. And so he says, there's a great door open to me. He said, that's what we're to be praying for, all the churches, that I'll have an open door to preach the gospel. Some places are not open. You, you, you can't force it. It's like witnessing to a person. You can do, you can have a testimony before them. You may say something like, I thank the Lord for all of our blessings or something like that. But when you actually get them where you can witness to them, the Lord's got to open that up. And he doesn't do it all the time. So well, doesn't he want everybody to be witness to? He tells us to preach the gospel to every creature. That's our marching orders right there. But unless the Lord opens a door, you can talk till you're blue in the face and do no good. So that's what Paul is talking about. In a larger way, as his ministry, but a great door and an effectual is open unto me. And then he says, there are many adversaries. <clears throat> adversaries. Enemies. That's what adversaries are. And there were many of them. But I think I mentioned this last Wednesday. For a lot of people, that's a reason to get out of there. <laughs> but for Paul, that was a reason to stay. <laughs> oh, well, we don't ever need, need to get into contending and all that. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do, really. Anyway, he says, now, if Timotheus, that's Timothy. If you, if you read that in the Greek, that's what it would be, Timotheus. But it's, in English, it's Timothy. We don't go around saying Timotheus, do we, Timothy? <laughs> uh, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Something has happened to cause Paul to say that. I don't know, somebody got on Timothy or something. Now he says, let no man therefore despise him. In 1 Timothy 4, it's 
Paul told Timothy, let no man despise your youth. And the only way he could do that is by acting with maturity. But anyway, but conduct him forth in peace. You go with him, you help him. That he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. I need him here with me. Now, touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. In Acts 18, we read about Apollos, and also a couple of verses here, we're going to talk about Priscilla and Aquila. We read about them in Acts 18. But he says, now to the church at Corinth, Watch ye, that'd be your watch. Stand fast in the faith. What is the faith? It's the whole body of doctrine taught in the word of God. He said, stand fast in the faith. You don't let any of it go. You don't waver with any of it. Quit you like men and be strong. Quit acting like men. Like that. Stand and be strong. Well, now. That's saying a lot. These people were facing persecution and death. We're not in this country now. If many of them had their way, we would. But in other countries, they are. Especially Muslim countries. I get so tired of hearing that from people like Slow Joe. Talking about the Muslims of peaceful religion. Well, you, you, you go to a Muslim country, Saudi Arabia, or one of them, and stand on a street corner, corner and preach the gospel. See how soon, to how long it takes somebody to come up with a sword and cut your head off while you're standing there. Or even do worse, burn you alive. Those are Muslim countries. Anybody hear that? Muslim countries. And yet they've got an open door here. Anyway, let all your things be done with charity. Your things. What is that? Whatever's a thing. Things you have to do be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, Achaia is another name for some of the same area as Greece. 
If you look on the map, you've got one in, you've got maps in your Bible. You look at the time of the Apostle Paul. And you look at those southern European countries, you'll see Achaia. You'll see the cities, Corinth and Athens. But then you'll see the country, Achaia. I'll go all the way up there and see Dacia. That's Romania. That's what it used to be called. Illyricum. Many of those different names. It's the same territory, but different names. And that's why you've got to have maps of the, of the era that you're studying. He said that the first fruits of Achaia. Well, now, that's here. If you cross the Aegean Sea and go there, there is Asia Minor or what's present-day Turkey. So you're, you're in a different, complete different area <clears throat> in Achaia. And then he says that the house of Stephanus, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That's tremendous. They've gotten, they have gotten themselves addicted to serving the saints of God. What, a, what an addiction. And then that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. You submit yourselves to these people that are working with us and helping us. You submit to them and you help us too in the Lord's work. Now he's talking to people that are professed, professed believers and serving the Lord. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and the Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Well, there's a little bit of a cut in there. Because what you all backed up on and didn't do, these three coming have filled in and provided. I'm sure it's talking about money and supplies. They, uh, here we were lacking, and they came and they filled in. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Uh, by them doing what they're doing, that should have urged others on to doing what's right. Therefore acknowledge you them that are such. Let them know about it. Give credit where credit is due. Now notice he says, the churches of Asia salute you. He didn't say the church of Asia. Nowhere do you have anything like that in the New Testament. If it says the church, it's talking about a specific one. The church at Ephesus, the church at Laodicea, but he's talking to many churches. He says the churches of Asia, well, that'd be Asia Minor. Well, we know seven of them anyway, don't we, from the book of Revelation. 
<clears throat> the churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Not only had, had Priscilla and Aquila called aside Apollos to declare to him the way of God more perfectly, they had, a, they had a church meeting in their house. Well, I know the guys that have got the big churches and the big bucks, the big money, they want to tell all the little churches to shut down. Just come on and join with us and we'll take care of everything. But that's not what the Lord did. And you have the church that is in their house. Well, I wouldn't let that. Well, some people love their house more than do the Lord. Now look at uh, Romans 16. Romans 16, verse 5. Now let's see. Verse 4. Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. He didn't say the church of the Gentiles. All the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. There's another one. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. So now verse 15. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. He doesn't just talk about the church he talks about the churches and then the church in their house look at Colossians 4 in verse 15 Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church which is in his house. There's another one. And then you got Philemon. That's just before Hebrews. You've only got one chapter here, so Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, and our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer, unto our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. So you have to say there's several references to churches that were meeting in some individual's house. So, to somehow say, well, you got to have a, 
million dollar building and you got to, you know, that's not New Testament teaching. Not at all. All right, so back in 1 Corinthians 16. Verse 20. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. Now there wasn't anything sexual about that. They still do that in Hungary and Romania, don't they? Cheek, cheek. That's all. And that's what it's talking about. We do a handshake. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. Paul obviously writing that with his own hand, which was, was not the normal thing that he did. He usually used an amanuensis, somebody to write for him. Now look at verse 1 to 2. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that word's phileo for love. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. I even saw somebody said that the King James translators made a mistake there. I don't think they did. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, cut off, accursed. I know I hear this stuff about how we got to just show gushy love to everybody. But I really don't see that in the Bible. There's a big difference between those that love the Lord and those that don't. Amen. Now, you mean family members, neighbors, but somebody that does not love the Lord, I cannot be the same with them as I am with somebody that loves the Lord. Amen. You go to foreign countries, wherever. I've been in Brazil, in the Lord's work. I've been in Europe. People that love the Lord, you don't have to speak the same language. There's communication there. And there's an instant love. And I'm not talking about anything sexual. I'm talking about godly love. So any man that loved not the Lord Jesus Christ... Let him be accursed. And then Maranatha means the Lord has come or the Lord is coming. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul is not writing that to the world. He's writing that to the church of Corinth. When he said, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. They want to they include everything and everybody. You can't do that. You just can't do it. 
Of course, the government demands that. Brother Lester's showing us in Pennsylvania and where else? Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Ohio, federal judge, probably one appointed by Obama, one appointed by Carter, too old or gone now. Uh, I don't think Biden's been able to appoint any, has he? <laughs> he ain't got enough sense to, but anyway. Uh, they have declared... That the schools, elementary schools, aren't they? Have to permit their students to have satanic worship clubs after school on school grounds, in school buildings. They've got the costumes, they've got that great big thing. I mean, absolutely worshiping Satan. Now, they can't do that with the Bible, but they can do that with Satan. Satanic worship. Worship of Satan. Now, I don't I don't know. I say get your kids out of them. That's what I say. Anyway, let's go on to 2 Corinthians now. Of course, to the same the same people, a little different time. In 1 Corinthians, Paul mentioned. Another letter that had been written to Corinth. We don't have that letter. He said, I wrote to you in another letter. 1 Corinthians 5, I think is where it is. Anyway, so now he's writing again to the same people. And he will address a little bit some of the issues that he had back in 1 Corinthians with that church. He follows up on it. But he says again, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Now, why does he keep saying that? Because he has people that are denying it. He has people that are following him around and declaring that he has no authority. He's not a real apostle. But he is a real apostle. He does have apostolic authority. And he contends for himself there. And it's by the will of God he's an apostle. And Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God. That's not a denomination. That's a church that belongs to God. Which is at. It's not universal, visible or invisible. It is an assembly which is at a place called Corinth. With all the saints which are in all Achaia, and that's the whole Greek territory there. Now I've been right there at the geographical place where that church was. The ruins of the buildings there are not left from this church. They're not nearly old enough. And I don't know that, this, that they had a building anyway. Uh, we, we never hear of a church building for New Testament churches. 
Not in that time. Uh, not at all. We, I've read you all those references to the church in somebody's house, but we don't read about a building. Not, not in the New Testament, we don't. So church buildings were a later thing, but here's, here's what's happened with buildings. <clears throat> the Roman Catholic heresy about buildings has spread through to everybody. You watch these movies, religious movies, and here's a priest, and he's, he's given his life for this church, and it's a building. Because people equate the building with the church, and there's something special about the building. Well, Mary Lee knows there's nothing special about this building other than its use. I mean, every week you go through the same territory and you get different dirt every time, don't you? Uh, so there's nothing holy about the building itself. What's, what's special about it is the use of it that it's been dedicated to the service of the Lord. And that's the same thing about us. There's nothing holy about that flesh. I mean, it'll just last so long, and then it's going to go back to the dust from which it came. It gets sick. It gets dirty. It gets marks on it. You youngsters, I know you, you know, marks on them. Just wait. It's coming. You live long enough, it's coming. Them wrinkles and marks and little growths here and hair growing where you don't want it to grow and, and everything. It's all coming. It'll get there. You'll all get it. There's nothing holy about our bodies. The thing that's holy about it is that God has set us apart for his use. Amen. And that's the use that we make of it. So there is the special part, not the body itself. That body will rot just like every other body will. And they do that because of sin and depravity. That's why. He says, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, grace always precedes peace. If you don't have the grace of God, you don't have the peace of God. Amen. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now see, he's not just throwing out the word God. A lot of people can latch on to that word God. They make God out of lots of things. But he, he is identifying specifying who he's talking about. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Muslims won't want you to do that. Liberals don't want you to do that. 
He's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. God's people have always gone through tribulation. And there is coming a time of great tribulation, such as never has been from the beginning nor ever shall be after. And I believe we will be here for that. But that is not the wrath of God. That tribulation comes from Satan. It comes from without. It comes from the flesh. It comes from the world. That's what the world imposes on us. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Paul says that that a pastor is to study to show himself approved unto God and then he profits from that study. And then I'm to let my profiting appear to you all. I have no right to study and learn and keep it to myself. I have no right to do that. If God gives it to me, I'm to give it to you. A lot of preachers think their whole job is to to keep back the truth from you. No, I'm I'm supposed to profit with my study, and then my profiting must appear to you all. Like I said, I have no right to do that. Anyway, the same way, When God comforts us. Everybody has problems. And when you receive comfort from the Lord. From the word of God. Praying. Fellowshipping. You are to comfort others. With the same comfort you've received. And if we'll all do that, it'll be so much better for everybody. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, not that we suffer like Christ, but all of his sufferings should be ever present in our heart, on our minds and heart. So our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. So whatever you suffer, now Paul and them, they're suffering a lot of things. Bad things. But even us, That's not to start and stop with us. It's got to be passed on to others. Which means we've got to open up and talk about the right things. Some people want to talk about everything, but what they ought to talk about. I had them before when I was on the fire department. God wants you to let your hair down. Come on, go out with us on Friday night. I say, where are you going? 
boom, 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 or someplace. I said, what? I said, well, I don't drink. Well, they're dancing, and I don't dance. Well, you sit there and talk with us. I'm drinking a Coca-Cola, and you're drinking booze, beer. Well, just talk with us. You don't want to talk about what I want to talk about. And I don't want to talk about what you're going to talk about. But I'm supposed to come out and have a good time with you. No. There ain't no good time there. Ain't no time at all. Well, people say, well, you think, they may think you think they're better than they are. I'm not better than they are. I'm different. But I'm not going to sacrifice my spirituality, my well-being, to make somebody think I'm like they are. Now, Jesus... He ate with them, but he wasn't one of them. Paul was with them, but he wasn't one of them. And he specifically tells us, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation, your salvation, which is effective in the endearing of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. The things happening to us are are to be passed on to others. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. Now what Paul's dealing with at any time and probably right now that he's talking. Not only is he suffering, there's a bunch of them suffering too. And he's responsible for the consolation of them. We don't have to do this right now, but just imagine way back when over there, there's your husband. They got him tied to a stake. And there's the man with the torch to set the wood on. You know what that wood was called, don't you? Around the pyres where they're burning believers alive. You know what the wood was called? Faggots. Now you all laugh, you know what that word's used for now. F-A-G-G-O-T-S. But the original word meant dried wood, driftwood. And that's what they had piled around them. Here's your daddy, or here's your husband. And they're going to burn him alive. They're getting ready to set the fire. What are you going to say to him? Supposed to be some consolation coming here, isn't it? Some comfort? Oh, I couldn't do it. Quit you like men. Stand you fast in the faith. Be strong. That's what he tells us. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Ignorant just means lack of knowledge, lack of knowing. Ignorant is not of itself a derogatory word. If somebody's ignorant, I can't. I'm ignorant of how many subjects I'm ignorant of. I don't know how many I'm ignorant of. There's libraries full of books, full of things. 
all over the world that I don't know. <laughs> Many of them I don't want to know. <clears throat> we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. So, Paul went through this more than once. Nobody's sure of exactly which one he's talking about here, but he went through it many times. That we despaired of our lives, meaning we thought this is it. We're dead. That's what it means to despair of your life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. It undeclared death for us. We know one time they stoned Paul. They left him. They thought he was dead. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Boys, that get Abrahamic. <laughs> Abraham believed God that he was able to raise up the dead. And sure enough, he is. <laughs> our confidence, our trust was in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death? He did. And doth deliver. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Many have used that as a, as a three-point outline. Of the threefold uh, salvation. We've been saved from sin. We're being saved from sin. We shall be saved from sin. Probably works all right. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons thanks. May be given by many on our behalf. I think he's talking about actual gifts of Supplies and money. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you were, towards you. Uh, you've got you word and you've got us word. In 2 Peter, he says, God is not, uh, not willing, he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, not long-suffering to the world, but to usward, his elect, not willing that any of them should perish. Anyway, for we write on other things unto you, verse 13. Than what you read or read or acknowledge, and I trust you shall acknowledge even to the end. Keep stay with us, in other words, what he's saying. As also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. You all are rejoicing in us, that's good. We're rejoicing in you. And in this confidence I was minded. To come unto you before that you might have a second benefit. 
and to pass by you into Macedonia. That's over there. That's, that would be north of Achaia. And to come again out of Macedonia unto you and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. Well, that's a pretty good distance from Judea, Jerusalem. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? Or the things that I propose, do I propose uh, according to the flesh? That with me there you should be yea, yea, and nay, nay. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. No, it was, it was yea. It wasn't up and down, oh, this and that. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea, positive. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Yea and amen. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us, is God, who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. So very personally, Paul gives them his heart. And what he wants to do with them, has been doing for them, is going to continue, but he wants their participation. So that would work for us too. But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Well, it's kind of like your children. You don't want to be on them every day. You know what I mean? Sometimes it seems like it just won't quit. But somewhere along the way, you've got to back off and have a better, better thing, a better conversation with them. And that's what he said to the, to the church at Corinth. He said, I'm not going to come to you again in heaviness. That is rebuking you for all of your wickedness, the things you're doing wrong. So, for my, if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? Here, <laughs> this is going to have a backfire. <laughs> I give you all this rebuke, and what are you going to give me back? Well, he, he, he did what he had to do, but he said, I'm not going to do it again. And I wrote this same unto you, lest... Unless when I came, I should have sorrow for them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. We'll be on a downhill slide. I've got to get off of that. And we're going to get it on better ground. You're going to heed what I've said, and we're going to go from here. It's going to be a much better attitude, much better frame of mind. 
For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. He's talking about 1 Corinthians. You remember what all he said to them? I mean, from chapter 3 on. Uh, about everything he had to write to them about was bad. Things that were doing bad. He's not apologizing for that. He said, I've done that. I expect you to heed that. And I'm not going to do that again. We're going to be on a more positive note. So, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. And he said he didn't do it rejoicing, even his heaviness with him. He wasn't rejoicing in it. He was grieved over it. Well, if you have to chastise your child, most people are grieved over that. They don't want to have to do it. You do it, but you do it because you have to, not because you love it. Verse 5. But if any have caused grief, he had not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Now look what it says in verse 6. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of or by many, so that contrarywise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Now we think what he's referring to is that fellow back in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. The church member that was with his father's wife, stepmother, surely it wasn't his mother, but he said you should set him aside, discipline him from the church, that he might take the punishment of Satan. But now we think that's who he's referring to. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. Now, provided he's repented of it, then you go and forgive him and receive him back and treat him like a brother. Now, it may not be that, but that's what most people think. All right. We'll continue on next time. Let's